and thank you for tuning in to the Akuzal Table. I'm one of your hosts, Taylor Jackson. And it's your girl, Jasmine Clyde. And today we have some guests at the table. So let's hear from who joined us today. Hi, everyone. My name is Danisha Bowes, and I'm a D3 at Meharry Medical College. Thank you for joining us as a guest host, Danisha. And today we have the pleasure of having dentists on our panel to discuss their experiences, their dental journey, and taking a deeper look into their lives as cosmetic dentists. Let's get started. So our first guest is Dr. Catrice Austin, and she is a trailblazing expert in the field of dentistry. She is a number one best-selling author and is an award-winning cosmetic dentist to the stars like Cardi B, Wendy Williams, Anthony Anderson, and Common, to name a few. Dr. Austin was recently voted as one of the top 25 women in dentistry by Dental Products Report Magazine and was also named as one of Clear's most influential dentists in America for her influence in the field of dentistry. Known as the Queen of Smiles, Dr. Austin has shared teeth whitening tips and oral health tips on national TV shows like The Dr. Oz Show, as well as local TV warning shows across America. She's now coaching other doctors on how to become a celebrity doctor in her new book and coaching course. Dr. Austin practices cosmetic dentistry in New York and her hometown of Flint, Michigan. Dr. Trevor J. Thomas currently resides in Los Angeles, California, and and is on his second tenure as practice owner. He primarily practices general dentistry with an emphasis on restorative, cosmetic, implant, and full mouth rehabilitation treatments. Dr. Thomas practices with the aim of bringing high-quality, life-changing dentistry to those who otherwise would deem their goals unachievable. He credits this move to his alma mater, Howard University's call to service in underrepresented populations, affording him both an impactful, professional, and meaningful personal life. So let's go ahead and give it up for our guest. Woo! (laughs) Thank you. So let's go ahead and break the ice. What's it like to be a celebrity dentist? Are you still able to serve the local community or do you only have celebrity clientele? Hey guys, it's Dr. Austin. Thank you so much for that question and that great introduction. Uh, You know, here's the thing. If we relied or if I relied on celebrities to keep me in business, baby, I would be broke, broke. I work with everybody, anybody who wants to look confident, look sexy and have a better smile, I will work with them. So, you know, it's not just, you know, celebrity smiles aren't reserved for celebrity clients. So I really actually enjoy working with just regular people. Um, and it's cool to be a celebrity dentist because you get to, you get the, you know, notoriety, you get to work with cool people and uh, you have a little bit of influence. Uh, so it's cool. And I'm trying to teach everyone how to have that influence and build your authority in the field of dentistry. Not that you have to be a celebrity uh, dentist to, to say to the to least, but I want everybody to build their brands so that you're looked at as a celebrity and people will want to choose you versus the other competing dentists. So that's what I'm all about. 
Yeah, Dr. Austin couldn't have said it better. Um, again, thanks for having us. This is like the Coolzel Table podcast. I think you guys are so cool. I wasn't as cool in dental school. Um, but yeah, Dr. Austin couldn't say it, couldn't have said it better. Um, one thing about being quote unquote a celebrity dentist, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, like Dr. Austin said, um, the blessing in it is that people see you as an authority in your field. People also see you as what they deem as quality. However, on the flip side of that, there are some folks who are celebrity dentists and the quality really isn't there. And what we find sometimes is that because they do have the brand of celebrity dentists, a lot of normal us or normal folks seek treatment from them and they get honestly subpar or sub quality work because, you know, the, the average layman's assuming, OK, if a celebrity went here, then, you know, long story short, they must be great. Um and then an, another thing is, is, is uh, accessibility. You know, I, I do all of my Instagram myself, 100%, no assistance, so on and so forth. And with that, I get to read everyone's stories. I get to read everyone's questions, concerns, comments, so on and so forth. And one of the biggest um, DMs that I get on the daily is, hey, I know you're a celebrity dentist. You know, can you help us normal folks or... You know, I'm sure I probably can't afford you, but dot, dot, dot. And, you know, and that's honestly, like I said, that's, that's the sad part about it. Because in our request to be quality dentists, um, we never aim, and I say we because I know Dr. Austin and I are cut from the same cloth. We never aim to come across as, you know, the, the bougie dentist or the dentist who, you know, it's not going to take care of those who look like our mom, our dad, our sister, our auntie, our cousin, sister, mom, our best friend, you know, um, you know, that that's not our aim. So that's that's sometimes the curse of it. So I always like to say is I'm, I'm not a celebrity dentist, but more so a dentist that treats celebrities, you know, and the most rewarding part of this experience of our day, so on and so forth, is really when I guess like uh, you kind of mentioned in the bio is when you see that person who is 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, 70 years old, you know, and even younger and all their life, they've had Medicaid or state insurance. and They just have a bunch of big amalgams and they never in their life thought they can have a pound VIP smile. Shout out to Dr. Austin. Um, and, and we can deliver that literally in a week or two. You know, my patients who travel, I deliver their smiles in three to four days. So imagine changing three to four decades in three to four days and 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 in as a selfless of a way possible. Just imagine the feeling like it's, it's the reward. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. The tra- it's the transformation that's exactly. the most rewarding part exactly. for us, uh, whether uh, it's a celebrity or even when it's a, a regular hardworking person that saved and they exactly. want to always have this smile. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that you brought it up because I get the same letters and requests too. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is we are in a for-profit business. And yes, I want to help so many people. But at the end of the day, you know, we have obligations that we have to meet and exactly. we can't help everybody. But I always try to, you know, have a source of referral and tell people about the dental schools as a a place of uh, access to dental care um, and some of the charities that are on the market or that that are available nationwide to help people. So I try my best. If I can't help them at the time, then I try to get them to a resource of where they can get help. 
Correct. And, yeah, and just to sum it all up, I think the biggest positive of being uh, or deemed a celebrity dentist is our access to influence. You know, um, you know, not to focus so much on minorities, but long story short, when we have the influence through the celebrities, you know, other minorities are able to say, hey, there's quality dentists that look like me and who I'm comfortable with and I don't have to settle for anything less. And so, you know, me being Dr. Trav, me being Trevor Thomas at the end of the day, I don't have the same influence as Offset, Migos, Amber Rose, all the folks I've worked on. Dr. Austin doesn't have the same influence as Cardi, you know, so on and so forth. So we're able to tap into that influence just to let folks know that, hey, there's someone that looks like you or someone from a similar background as you that can take care of you and just make you more comfortable. Here's a little secret, guys. A lot of the celebs, you know, they be wanting this work done for free. Y'all know that, right? It, the people with the most money, they go out buying bottles, buying the, the diamonds and all of this stuff. They actually think that we should be doing a lot of this dentistry for free. So I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. I've gotten to the point where I'm not doing a celebrity for free. I'm not. Uh, if you got the money and I see you out there balling and flexing, then you got to pay. I've earned I've earned that. And I and, and back going to the minority thing, I notice a lot of times being an African-American dentist, a lot of times they will expect it of us, but will go to other providers of a different uh, race and pay full pay full full price. They don't do a, a lot of times the my majority uh, race the same as they do us as African-American dentists. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So I feel that a lot of times we should really know our value and know our worth and get what we, what we deserve. And I have recently turned down many of celebrities because they weren't trying to pay. And that's fine. If you, There's plenty of dentists that will do it for free to gain that influence, but I'm not doing that anymore. So I know my worth and it's time for me to get what, I'm, what I deserve. And then also not to mention that, you know, us Black folks have to work about three times as hard as the majority. So that doesn't <laughs> help, but, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, so, the Instagram models are the worst. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> it's not Fashion Nova. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Fashion Nova. <laughs> so um you guys talk about your celebrity clientele. So how exactly did you brand yourself and what would be your networking tips for anybody who's trying to open up their own business and get this um get a celebrity clientele? Honestly, for me, um I always tell any, uh, you know, new grad or soon to be grad, treat your first two years out of dental school like you're still in school. You know, so right now you guys are, you know, in classes at least five days a week. Your weekends are probably spent studying. You know, I remember falling asleep in an anatomy lab, trying to learn at the end of the day, just looking at the person next to me on the test. Let's keep it real. Um, but having that same hungry and humble and hustle mindset. Um, just maintaining that when you're first out of dental school and what that physically looked like. Um, like I say, it it was it was the work in seven days a week and not so much 
or not only to get the clinical experience, but also to gain the cases to show, you know, uh, learn to do full mouth rehab, so on and so forth. So now I have something to publish. Now I have something to brand as opposed to, you know, for lack of better terms, my page being filled up with, you know, class four composites and, you know, and, and that's pretty much it, you know, folks want to see smile makeover. So the more accessible you make yourself, the more you have to show. Um, and in addition to that, no one can market you better than yourself. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, I answer all my DMs. I've always answered all my DMs and I answer everyone personally. Um, and I think having that ability to connect with the patient before they even reach the office, it makes that first time in the chair just that more special. And, you know, honestly speaking, damn near by the time a patient walks in my door, we already know what we're doing. And I haven't met them, you know, they're from across the country and they already have an ideal of treatment and we're ready to go, you know? Um, so it's just taking the time to form those relationships and just working when the next dentist isn't working. You know, it's Sunday right now. Where do you see Dr. Austin and I? We're in the office seeing patients. How many dentists across the country will you find in their office on a Sunday? Um, so it's that hustle and hungry mindset that, sets us apart and you said it yourself um young queen that we have to work three times as harder so it's actually understanding that mindset and acting on it and not just speaking it that's what makes our brand unique and when that is genuine and you hold that to heart um that light illuminates itself and it just happens because you're lighting in a, in a in a dark space Great answer, Dr. Trev. Uh, for me, when I got to New York um, in 1996, I came here to do my residency. And during that year, uh, the 90s was all about hip hop. It was all about black comedy and New York City was on fire. So where I thought I was gonna be in New York for just a year during this hospital training, I found myself uh, loving New York City and, and finding my niche. So I knew, um, so what I, I started kind of hanging out where celebrities were hanging out. Uh, there was a comedy club in New York City every Sunday, a young Kevin Hart, a young Tracy Morgan, a young Mike Epps, a young Chris Rock would come there every Sunday. So I would be there every Sunday mainly because I needed a, 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 a outlet to laugh and to start my week off uh, with laughter. Uh, but I also started to hang around them and get to know them. I didn't know a lot of people in New York. So these people became like my network and my friends. Um, I used to go to all the you know hot spots, the dance clubs, the uh, Puffy uh, P. Diddy, wherever he calls himself now, had a restaurant on Tuesdays, which he literally turned into a dance club every Tuesday night and all the celebrities would be there. So um, in that year of doing my residency and seeing how New York was just filled with hot celebrities and they were accessible, I decided early on that my niche, my target audience was going to be celebrities. And so I kind of took a, I took a little bold step. I put on my business card, and I didn't even have an office, y'all. I put on my business card, Dr. Catrice Austin, dentist to the stars. I'm like, I'm manifesting this. I'm going to put it on the card. 
I'm going to hit these streets and I'm going to go wherever these people are and somebody's going to become my celebrity client. I didn't even have an office, but I'm like, it's going to take me a while. I'm going to find me some celebrities and then I'll quickly find the office if I need to borrow somebody's office, whatever I need to do. And it worked. Uh, one Tuesday when I was in Puffy's restaurant, I saw this musical legend that my mom used to play his albums every Saturday. His name was Isaac Hayes, uh, Shaft, uh, soul legend. Uh, he was on South Park as uh, the chef. And uh, when I saw him, I'm like, wow, like I, this guy is a legend. Let me just go over and interrupt his dinner. I don't care. Shoot, I might never see this guy again. And when I went over there, I had my business card and I'm like, hey, um, Mr. Isaac Hayes, I'm Dr. Catrice Austin. If you need a dentist, um, I don't know if you have a dentist or not, but if you need a dentist, here's my card. Please, you know, let me know. I would love to be your dentist. I hand it to him. He looks at it. And and then he's like, um, in his deep voice, young lady, I've never seen a dentist. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I've never seen a young dentist that looked like you. Sit down and have dinner with me. And that changed my life because when I sat down and had dinner with him, he, uh, we got to know each other and uh, he vowed to support me. And it only takes one person. It only takes one person to say yes. Um, I could have just not went over there and interrupted his dinner, but I took that chance and it paid off because when I got done sitting and having dinner with him, uh, I had a cell phone number, fax number, every number that was possible. And uh, maybe like maybe like two or three weeks later, he became my first celebrity client. Um, so that was my big break. So guerrilla marketing, just going out and, and I know it's a little different now because we can't go out and network like we normally do. But what that would mean for you guys is sliding in DMs or getting on Clubhouse and like getting to know, you like making your presence known and figuring out who you want to serve. It may not be celebrities. It may be uh, women, you know, I don't know. It might, I don't know who your target audience would be, but whatever it is, you're going to go where they go, or maybe it's Facebook groups, find your audience, and then you're going to work it like you've never worked it before. Um, and then you just need to have a message and a story, like what's going to make you connect and showing up and being the solution into someone's problem. So your job on social media is not to just talk about yourself. You're going to present, you know, who you are, what you do, what problems you solve, and then the people will come. So I, in the last maybe five years, um, especially after working with Cardi and, and people knowing that I transformed her smile with porcelain veneers and whitening, I just strictly said from here on, I just want to do porcelain veneers and whitening. That's it. I don't want to ever see a cavity. I don't ever want to see a root canal. I don't want to see none of that. All I do is teeth whitening and porcelain veneers. So if you hone in exactly what you love to do, and when you graduate, graduate, you may not have the luxury of doing that, but you can prepare. You can start to think about what you love to do and then really focus on it and be known for something. And you will bring, uh, you will start to attract lots of people to your business. Um, so yeah, if you're answering questions, you're getting on Facebook Live, you're doing this podcast, which is amazing, you're reaching a certain type of target audience, doing things like that, you're going to really start to increase your brand and 
And if you're good and people like you, they're going to come to you. It's, it's, it's super easy. It's not hard if you're really focused. All right. Uh, the next question is, how did you all perfect your craft? Like some of the procedures that you all perform, we don't experience in dental school. And where did you get the training for the cosmetic dentistry? I'll take that first. Um, Doc's not a day over 30, so she had to graduate at 10, 12 years old, sitting with Isaac Hayes. Being <laughs> her I, I need I need some fact checks on that story. <laughs> the age and the timeline don't match up. Listen. <laughs> but um, yo, honestly, um, I am a big fan of YouTube University. You know, your professor is gonna say otherwise. You know, everybody's gonna say otherwise. But honestly, and and on the broader spectrum, when I say I'm a big fan of YouTube University, I'm a very common sense person show me and i'll replicate it so you know for me a bulk of my training came from being a new grad and looking at folks like dr austin you know the queen of smiles the queen of cosmetic dentistry looking at docs who are the top oral surgeons the top periodontists you know if i want to learn how to properly do a gingivectomy or crown lengthening if i want to learn how to properly extract and place an implant with a restorative mindset um, so that's honestly where I got a bulk of my, um, my, a bulk of my clinical experience, just shadowing those who are better than me. Um, to the day I die, I will never claim to be the best dentist at anything. I'm not. Um, I think again, what makes me unique is that I recognize the strengths of those who are the best in each of their respective fields or who are the top in each of their respective fields. And I'm able to look and emulate success. You know, um, and it's, it's almost like a creative player in a video game. The best player doesn't have, you know, one bar all the way at 100. The best player, the captain is going to have, you know, a little bit of everything or a lot of bit of everything, but not perfect in one arena. Um, so, yeah, honestly, um, a bulk of my clinical training came from, you know, watching social media videos, watching other folks posts, watching their prep designs, um, you know, watching YouTube. Um, watching CE online, um, you know, I did do a few CE um, in person and online. And then, and then most importantly, also um, looking at a lot of my specialists that I had in office, you know, okay, cool. I want to get better at extractions. Let me actually spend some time with my oral surgeon and not just refer to them and leave it alone. If I want to get better at, um, like I say, perio, if I want to learn how to lay a flap, if I want to learn how to place implants, so on and so forth, let me watch the person who actually is the expert there to I become the expert as well. Um, so yeah, that's where most of my training came from. And then um, I don't like to plug anyone unintentionally so I can give specific CEs to anyone who, which I'm sure you guys will drop our contact information at the end of the podcast. We can talk in depth about the pluses and the negatives of different CEs out there. I love it. YouTube University is actually really, really good. Um, I I uh, immediately joined the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, uh, a fantastic organization with an amazing conference every year in the spring, and they have tons of hands-on courses. Um, usually at this conference, <laughs> there is a handful, uh, maybe one handful of 
African-American dentists, or at least in the beginning, that would attend. Still not a lot. Um, and it, just getting, it's like the good old boys network, lots of gems and jewels just dropped and uh, tons of hands-on courses to the point where when this when the when the courses go on sale, it's like you're a crackhead. You're you have to sign up for these courses because they fill up. They go really quickly. So like day one when the courses open up, you're on it. So uh, you know when when I graduated and started my practice, 1998, 1999, cosmetic dentistry wasn't very very popular. It wasn't until Dr. Bill Dorfman got on extreme makeover uh, in the early 2000s where the cosmetic dentistry boom really, really took off. Uh, they were promoting Da Vinci veneers, um, pour some veneers really started to take off. So as the cosmetic dentistry boom started to take off in the early 2000s, that's when I really started to hone in and take those hands-on courses with the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. I also went to to Las Vegas Institute, took classes there. And then every November in New York is the Greater New York Dental Meeting and they also have great hands-on courses. You could see Instagram videos of me taking veneer courses as soon as uh, two years ago when the last virtual meeting was live. So I'm still taking courses because materials change. There's always ways to do things quicker. And I still, I'm still learning things. You know, I, I'm like Dr. Trev. I don't claim to, even though I am the queen of smiles, I do not claim to know everything. And I'm still taking courses. I'm signing up the AACD just posted a, a, a veneer course that's coming up in May. I was like, oh, I'm all on it. I want to, I want to learn. I still want to learn. So um, when I get those CE, um, when I get those journals, the dental journals from uh, AGD and uh, Inside Dentistry and Dentistry Today, I'm reading them like it's Essence Magazine. Like I'm so excited that my magazine came and I'm looking to see what's new, what materials are new. So I'm just a dental geek when it comes to learning uh, and staying on top of what's new in dentistry. And then I like to, you know, it gives me an opportunity to blog about what I'm reading in the journals and see on news, uh, news feeds and stuff. So I, I, I really enjoy uh, learning and staying on top of everything. Absolutely. And we're supposed to be dental geeks, right? This is the profession that's going to be our career. Like, you know, same thing, like when even when I get the uh, contour magazines or even some of the a uh, AGD magazines that I signed up for. So I read those, too. So I definitely understand. I mean, we're always going to be learning in this profession. Um, but even with the both of you being practice owners, how did you choose which business route you wanted to go as far as solo practice? Um, joining in an associateship or a DSO, how did you make that decision? Or did you even experience all three? Or what, what's your advice on what was best? Great question. I'll tackle it first. Um, so some of you may know I'm partnered with Pacific Dental Services right now. Um, long story short, I was 100% going to go straight private when I came out of dental school. Um, the reason I partnered with Pacific, um, in a nutshell, I don't want to make the podcast a Pacific plug at all. Um, but coming out of dental school, 
all I knew was dental. Still, all I know is dental, you know. Um, and what I found after working as an assistant with my mentor, so on and so forth, I found that I didn't want to be the doctor who was, you know, up all night trying to balance payroll, deal with employee related issues, deal with insurance, so on. And so. That's honestly not me. You know, like I say, I dental is what I know. That's what I know. So when I looked at um, Pacific Dental, what stood out to me is it was a true definition of a DSO in the sense that I own my offices. They're in my name 100%. And long story short, um, I pay PDS very well to basically run all of my non-clinical. Um, and I do so with the understanding that it's a mutual beneficial relationship. Am I paying them? Yes. But on the back end, I'm more productive, um, both financially and both um, in my efficiency clinically. Um, so that, that's kind of the trade-off with it, for lack of better terms. Um, so that that's what worked out for me initially. Um, now, once you do gain adequate business acumen, so on and so forth, 100% is always best to work for yourself. I do agree with that. It all depends on the type of lifestyle you want to live and how much you want to devote to your office. You know, you could say, hey, I only only want to do dental one day a week and live with a rich husband and travel the world. You know, in that sense, you may want to be in a situation where I, I own multiple offices when I'm not working, money's still coming in and I'm good with that. So you always want to align your business decision with what's best for you. Um, like I said, it made sense for me to come out focus on clinical only and have someone who's, you know, a lawyer for dental be my lawyer, someone who's trained in insurance, handle my insurances, you know, someone who's trained in staffing and employee relations, handle all that. Cause honestly, I'm dumb as hell at all of that, <laughs> you know, but you put a hand piece in my hand and I can perform, you know? So it, it, again, it goes back to the ideal of teamwork. Let the person who's best at whatever it is respectively handle that until I'm at the point where I can handle it all and handle it all efficiently. Now, when I'm a 25-year-old vet like Dr. Austin here, um, you know, again, I may have all the knowledge and so on and so forth to balance it and look good doing it, but I ain't there yet. So in my learning phases, this is the situation that worked best for me. I love that uh, you started up off totally opposite of how I started off. Uh, I started off after I finished that residency um, in between uh, trying to build my celebrity clientele and not having a place to see my celebrity clientele. I tried working for other dentists. I thought, cause I didn't, I came out and I didn't really know about business like Dr. Trev said. So I went to the newspaper, filled, you know, did the one ads and I tried working for other dentists and it didn't work because, you know, there are, you find out that uh, everybody has their own way of practicing. They have their own uh, core values or maybe they don't have values at all. I discovered. Uh, um, and, and the breaking point for me is when uh, I was uh, I tried taking a few jobs and what you'll find is that you're going to get pimped so hard when you graduate. They're going to try to give you all the low end dentistry. You're going to be doing nothing but the fillings and the cleanings and the things you're going to work really, really hard only to get 
what, 25, 30, 35% of what you make, but they're giving you the low end things. So you do all this work, you're stressed out and you come home with a paycheck that is just disrespectful. So I did that for a while. And then uh, the next thing that I did, I'm like, okay, can't. And then I went to one office that hired me and they were like, um, here's the, here's the one needle that we have. I need you to take this needle, um, scrub it with a toothbrush and you got to reuse this needle all day on all your patients. And I was like, no, sir, no, ma'am. I went to the bathroom. Wait, I went away for lunch, pretending like I'm going out for lunch and I never came back. I was like, peace. Can't do it. See you later. I quit. No. And that's when I was like, man, I can't. These Some of these dentists are nasty. I can't do this. I can't practice <laughs> in an unsanitary malpractice kind of way. And so then I, as I was trying to find an office to work out of, I worked for a temp agency and they sent me out as a hygienist. Um, I was making more money, y'all, as a hygienist than I was as a working dentist. Um, and I was like, this, and I was actually cool with it. I'm like, okay, I'll go into all these offices. I'm just doing cleanings. It's not stressful. None of that bull crap that I was dealing with working for a dentist. I'm cool. And I just went into one office and the guy, the dentist started asking me about my, my hygiene license. And I had to, and the temp agency didn't want me to tell people that I was a dentist. So I, I, I fessed up. I was like, I'm actually a dentist. And, uh, and he was like, you're a dentist. Why are you coming into offices doing hygiene? I was like, I was making more money. Uh, I was making more money doing this than I was as a starting dentist. And he, that's when I also learned, he was like, girl, you better start your own practice. He was like, you can rent office space from, you know, me, you can rent office space for me. And, you know, it's like $400 a day back then or something like that. And I'll supply, you know, everything that you need to the, the gloves, the, you know, paper towels, whatever, the basic stuff for you to work. And you just get your core materials to do your procedures. And I had no idea that I could start a business that way. So that's uh, literally how I got my first office space. And it happened to be, be a black dentist on 57th Street in New York, which is like the Rodeo Drive of of, den of dentistry, or Rodeo Drive of New York, rather. So it was a high profile area. Um, and it went great with my brand of wanting to be the dentist to the stars. Um, so I started with my own business. I did not know anything like Dr. Trev said. I didn't know anything about business. And I worked for maybe like a year or so, not knowing, just asking this dentist, you know, how you do this, how you run this and that dentist. And ultimately, um, reading one of those dental journals, I kept seeing Sally McKenzie, Sally McKenzie, business practice management. So I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I need to hire a dental business coach or a consultant. And that's what I did maybe two years years, the second year that I was in business. And I really learned, you know, how to operate, um, how to, what numbers, what statistics I needed to monitor. And it really helped me early on, on learning how to run my business. Uh, maybe, a, maybe 
Four years after that, I learned a lot with Sally McKenzie. Then I went, took it to the next level because I kept hearing uh, the Levine Group. And uh, uh, what's his first name? The Levine Group was out of Baltimore and kind of like the top of the line business consulting. So took that um, management uh, team on and that even took me to the next level. So I learned a lot about business and running a practice and it was stressful for uh, till 2017, I ran my own business. Yes, like Dr. Trev said, stressful. I slept at my half the time. Nobody knew I was sleeping in the office. That waiting room, I had a pull-out couch because I lived like 40 minutes away. So the patients would go home. I'd do my paperwork, run the business and all that stuff and sleep in the couch, get up, go to the gym, which was across the street, shower. I had in my office, you know, evening gown, dental scrubs, club clothes, something for every occasion. So if anything came up, I basically lived in the office. In 2017, my lease was up. Um, I ultimately ended up getting my own office space in that same building. My lease became up in 2017. And I had to make a decision, you know, for the next 10 years, did I want to be running the office as I had been for almost 20 years, or did I want to sell it? And ultimately, when I started to get um, uh, to speak with consultants to learn what the value of my practice was over all these years, um, he was like, I have a company that will pay you cash. Um, and I'm like, really? Cash? And it happened to be a DSO. And I wasn't familiar with how they really operated. And it took me a while to decide if I wanted to sell my practice sell to a DSO where I would then become their employee and work for them um, and get a paycheck. And I was like, shoot, that kind of, that kind of sounds nice to, you know, finally be the person that gets a regular paycheck. Yes. Let me go ahead and sell to this DSO. And they promised me that the brand that I built all these years would, you know, remain the same, that I could still, you know, be, uh, Dennis to the stars and just only do the things that I love and the things that I was already leaning towards. But of course, when I signed the contract, um, it didn't work out like they said. They kind of pulled the wool over my eyes and just started doing a lot of things that weren't in the agreement. So it did not work out. I ended up walking away from the practice, my baby, um, and uh, a lot of money I left on the table because I wasn't happy. I'm like, I got to go. This isn't me. I'm not happy. I don't like going to my office. It's not my office anymore. So I ended up starting all over. So things are a lot different for me now. I have this office in Michigan and now I rent space again. It's like I'm starting all over. Um, the square one, I'm renting office space in New York, um, but I'm happy and I get to redo my, I, I actually got a chance to rebrand and kind of start all over, which is amazing. So that was a long answer to, uh, and hopefully that helps somebody. <laughs> well, one thing I do want to call out though, from that, that long answer, it was a great long answer though. But, um, one thing that I've realized in both Doc's rookie years and also in her veteran years, she made a decision twice to remain true to herself. And what I mean by that, you know, at the end of the day, I get a lot of students who ask, oh, does this company or this doctor or this practice, you know, push you to do this or push you to that, so on and so forth. Two things I want you guys to always remember. One, you're the dentist. You know, at the end of the day, your decisions are your decisions. At the end of the day, there will always be a need for you. 
So never feel that you must succumb to your own personal values, your own personal beliefs, and your own personal ethics in order to survive. You know, there will always be a company, an office, an organization, a doctor, whoever it may be, a person that appreciates you for being authentically you, you know. Um, and and Doc again demonstrated that twice in her responses. Again, when she mentioned her beginning and when she mentioned her exit from her baby, what's most important that she is that she stayed true to herself. And at the end of the day, she can sleep comfortably knowing that any treatment that she's done in her career would be no different than the decision she would have made on her own mother, you know? Um, so as long as you guys maintain that mindset, I promise you, you will never be a homeless dentist. It will all work out. Okay. Um, so that was a big takeaway that I personally took from doc stories. And I just wanted to make sure that anybody listening to this podcast didn't miss. Thank you. And we definitely appreciate the business advice because I mean, I personally don't know anything about business. And I think schools should implement a sort of business program so we can learn about these things while going out. Because I mean, uh, going out, they're they're probably going to try to give us all this money and be like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. But you also have to produce this much to get what you want. So I think that's definitely your advice is just definitely important. And, you know, we're taking our little notes here and taking that all down. So um, there's also a lot of talk being a jack of all trades. So being great at every procedure. And um, so do you think being a super dentist, quote unquote, is the best decision in today's society to be versatile? Yeah, I um, I kind of touched upon it earlier. I truly feel... I feel strongly about choosing, you know, one or two signature services that you're good at and then go hard promoting that. Um, It gets stressful when you try to be the jack of all trades. So I actually, when I made the decision to only do veneers and only do teeth whitening, I'm actually making way more money. And, and, And most importantly, I chose two things where I don't even have to deal with insurance. That's off the table now. Those two procedures that I deal with are strictly cash. Um, so I, I am, uh, very happy with the two things that I chose, but if you can just be, if you can specialize and be known for being good at something, you'll see a lot, a lot of the celebrity dentists that are on the market are really known for doing one or two things. Uh, Dr. Well, I don't, yeah, we're not going to name names, but most people have their niche and that's what people are going to. And, and then you can really be focused when you get into marketing and your social media, you can really hone in and be very focused. Like if you go to my page, if you don't know what my language is, my language is porcelain veneers and teeth whitening. I'm not talking about nothing else, but that, so I can be very, very specific and, and really hone in attracting who I want. Um, If you're going to come to me and you see my page only if you want porcelain veneers, I pay for advertisement, but the free and organic traffic that I get um, is really attracting the people who want smile makeovers with those two things. So um, if you can, if you could focus in, but it's great if you know how to do everything, but if you, you, I think you'll be super successful and you can be known for something if you really hone in a niche. I, I agree with Dr. Austin. That's, that's the, that's the veteran answer right there. 
Um, again, I'm still in my rookie phase. So um, again, 100% in agreement with what Dr. Austin said. Um, and But right now it's all about stages for me and I'm still laying my foundation. So, and, and what I mean by that, am I doing damn near everything? Yes, but is that my end goal? No. Um, and the reason I say that, I want to be able to have that patient who reaches out to me for veneers because everyone doesn't understand the true concept behind veneers. You know, half the people who ask me about veneers think I got to pull all their teeth out of their mouth. So everybody will contact us for veneers, but by the time they get in their chair, they may need one veneer, one crown, one three-quarter crown, one inlay, one onlay, two implants, a bridge, and a ridge augmentation. So now you done got this patient who you thought was coming in for veneers and then flew halfway across the country. And that's a, oh shit moment. Am I able to deliver or am I sending them back to Atlanta with a hope and a dream? So where I am currently in my career, I have to deliver, you know, um, because I'm still building my reputation. Um, once I reach Dr. Austin's caliber and her legend status, you know, they'll already know, like you said, you come to Dr. Trev, all the other little stuff better be together. <laughs> um, you are far too kind. But, but, I, but I may have to bust out that endo and crown right next to my veneer at this stage and make them all look like a full mouth of veneers. Um, but on that same token, um, you know, I'm sure we've all seen the cliche meme where it says Dennis, uh, doctor, artist, engineer. Um, again, I'm at that stage where I'm still perfecting, combining that trilogy of what it means to be a dentist. And once I, again, once I have that trilogy solid, then I can branch off and let me focus on the doctor aspect or let me focus on the artist aspect, which is veneers only the doctor aspect and me OS or let me focus on the engineering aspect, which may be my pro skills, you know? Um, gosh, I should write that down somewhere. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, um, I, I, I love, I, I, I can't say a thousand times over how great it is to um, be here with Doc because you're getting two different perspectives and they both are 100% accurate. And it's just an honest reflection of what it's like to be a 30-year-old rookie and a 25-year-old vet. And... Um... What that meant for me before I sold my business and rebranded myself, I just brought in a prosthodontist to do my implants. I wasn't going to do the implants, but I ended up bringing in a prosthodontist to do my implants, an endodontist to do my root canal. So within my practice, I was still able to serve my clients. Now, I really don't. I refer everything out, but even if you are in private practice and you and you have a group practice, you can build the team around you that do the things that you don't want to do or you don't like to do and still be true to yourself. Okay. Uh, do you all have your own internal lab or do you outsource your cases to a local lab? I'll tackle it first. Um, I outsource my cases. And again, it all goes back to who's the best at what. Um, I've considered having my own lab, but let's say I hire person A and B as my lab tech. They may be great at incisal translucency and uh, Emacs pressed crowns, but suck at layering porcelain fuses or conia or suck at implant crowns or whatever it may be, or suck at dentures. So just because 
every patient that I see is unique and special. I have to ensure that my selection in, in labs um, can cater to each different type of patient um, that I see. So long story short, um, I have my top two or three labs that I work with, um, but in my arsenal of labs, I have about 10 different labs. And a case will go to a lab based on what that lab is showing me is their staple. The same way when you look at Dr. Austin's veneers versus my veneers versus other docs veneers, we may all have our staple design that we're known for. So just like a patient may come to me for a certain look and go to Dr. Austin for a different look, doesn't mean that one doc is better than the other, doesn't mean that one veneer looks better than the other. You know, just like you got your gold blonde braids and, you know, the other young lady got the sister soldier going on. You know, it's just different styles that fit different people, you know, and I'm rocking the ball. Uh, so dentistry is the same way. It's all about making sure that the end restorative goal is specific to your patient. And another Dr. Austin plug, that's the true definition of a VIP smile. Personally catered. I love you, Dr. Trev. Um, I, like Dr. Trev, I use multiple labs. Um, I outsource them uh, to California. Y'all, California, Dr. Trev has amazing dental labs and they turn the work around uh, in a timely manner and deliver quality. So I use a few labs in California, but one in particular is uh, on Instagram and does an amazing job and has a great customer service that I use. Uh, that lab is actually flying to New York tomorrow to meet me to work on one of my celebrity clients. So that's how customized, like they will fly to me and work with some of my clients. So it doesn't get any better than that. And that certainly helps that kind of customer service where you actually get to meet the lab owner that is making your teeth. That kind of customer service is priceless. And that makes the, the customer feel really, really special. So and 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 I'm gonna um, I'm gonna break protocol and I'm gonna plug. I know she's talking about my buddy Jill Frontier. Yes, uh, yes. But and and I say that to say, um, you know, they're they're one of my top three also. But I say that to say that lab has taken the initiative to make themselves stand out. You know, so you know, just like real recognized real, you know, in life, real recognized real in the dental world. And that same lab and that same tech produced two completely different styles for me and Dr. Austin. Um, but yeah, so that it's pretty, it's pretty uh, neat to um, hear her mention that because like I say, we do share some of the same labs and it just goes back to, again, quality recognizes quality. And at the end of the day, your lab, I mean, the lab is really the superstar for the most part. They can make or break you. So you use a cheap dental lab when it comes to the uh, cosmetic work, you're sometimes going to get a cheap result and there's going to be problems with that down the, the, down the line, or it may not look as quality uh, as you want it to. So um, I would love to, uh, you know, I always thought about getting a CEREC machine and keeping some of the work and, you know, doing some of the stuff in office. But at the end of the day, kind of like Dr. Trev says, I'm not a lab technician. I'm not built for this. So I'm just going to outsource it. And I probably don't do enough cases to even pay for the $100,000 machine. So uh, I decided not to invest in that. Um, and, and yeah, so in New York, 
it's crazy. The, a lot of the labs take much longer uh, and they cost more than the California lab. So I just rock with Cali. Cali is the best. So I have a long list of labs you can use. That's great. Um, so as a formal, former dental assistant, we always discuss teamwork. Um, how do you make sure your office, including the front desk, dental assistants, business mag- managers, run like a well-oiled machine when you have so many different personalities? Well, I will say um, <laughs> today I don't have a team at all. I don't have a receptionist. I don't have an assistant. I don't have any of that, which is crazy. Um, so right now I work with independent contractors. Right now I only work four to six days in the office doing uh, my cosmetic dentistry. Uh, so I don't choose to have a staff, which is amazing. And my whole uh, my whole practice is basically automated. Um, so. Uh, when I did have a practice, you know, I think that having team meetings, a morning huddle is very, very key. Monthly meetings to reiterate what your core values are, uh, what your monthly goals are, reviewing if you hit your target goals, um, discussing it, giving the staff opportunities to to uh, have their say and make suggestions on what might make the practice uh, better having team outings and going out to have dinner or doing something fun together pre-COVID days and maybe when things get back to normal. Um, All those things are super important. Uh, What I learned in my business training with Sally McKenzie and the Levin Group, uh, having scripting and making sure everybody's on the same page, they're saying the same thing, because you know when doctors walk out the room, you know as a a former assistant, when a doctor walks out the room, the the patient is going to be like, hey, do I really need that crown? Hey, do you think I should really whiten my teeth? You know, so it's very important that that the whole team is on the same page and knows they have the same script and messaging. And that is uh, is really key. And I always just making sure that you have a good environment and and if somebody's not working, um, I'm quick to hire, or slow to hire and quick to fire. I have no problem because at the end of the day is my name on the door. And half the time, things that went wrong uh, with my staffing, I got blamed for as the owner. So it's very, very key that everybody on the team is on their A game and are on the same mission and have the same goals. And um, you pay your staff pretty decently and or well, and you'll be in good shape if they deserve it. You know, I was never one that, oh, I've been working here for six months. Can I get a raise? No, what are you doing to get a raise? What are you contributing? How are you making the practice grow? So we want our staff members to be assets. Um, And if there's no patient in the office, not having a problem picking up the phone and making recall calls, just being an active member, going out and passing out, you know, pamphlets for the practice. There's always something to be done. So that is my answer. But team, the team will make or break your their practice. So think about that if you're an employee. Uh, that whatever how you operate will make will assess how valuable you are, um, and as a practice owner, you want to make sure you have an amazing team. Couldn't have said it better. And you know, my situation is a little different. Um, my primary office, I have twenty one operatories. So, yeah, so <laughs> so I have to understand that the greatest 
leaders are actually the best servants, you know? Um, so my team is more likely to work at maximum capacity when they see that, you know, I'm hopping in when rooms need to be bust down, you know, I'm staying later to make sure things are cleaned up, you know, and I'm actually also recognizing them, you know, just the little things. How often are you buying them lunch? How often are you saying thank you? How often, most importantly, are you pushing them to be the best version of themselves? Um, everyone in my office has some sort of leadership role or responsibility. And I want to make sure that each individual who has a duty, which is everyone, feels like the LeBron of that respective duty. Oh, you in charge of making sure my cases are here? Man, damn, you are the reason that this person is getting their veneers on time, so on and so forth. You saved this person from a missed flight. You got this person ready in time for their wedding. You should ask them for an invitation to their wedding because you're the reason their case is here on time, you know? Um, so just understanding the importance of everyone and, um, you know, and on a microcosmic level, um, I always say there's a trilogy in my office. Uh, I'm signing out a trilogy, a trinity, a trinity in my office. And that trinity exists between myself, my lead dental assistant, and my office manager. Am I the owner? Yes. Do I sign the checks? Yes. So on and so forth. But the true leadership in my office stems from us three, you know, and if any one of those heads is out of whack, it's going to throw off the entire office. The, the three headed horse is out of balance. So it just goes back to understanding that I want to maximize everybody's um, attributes. Um, yeah. And that's the bottom line. And again, I'm just a dentist. I know clinical, period. I don't know business. I used to be an assistant, but I'm not better than my lead dental assistant. I, I, I honestly tell my assistants, like most of my assistants are better at dentistry than I was my D2, D3 year. You know, they teach me to this day. I remember when I first graduated, I used to be embarrassed to try to pack court in front of my assistants. But them seeing you in that humble state and actually reaching, hey, can you teach me to pack court? Hey, at Howard, we didn't have digital x-rays. Can you help me with these x-rays? Hey, I never saw a Cyric machine in my life. What is this? You know, and them teaching me and seeing that we actually are growing together in my career, it goes miles with them. And at the end of the day, just treating your staff like humans, you know? Um, and that's, and that's, that's all it is. And that's all it is. 21 operatories. Wow. You are a, you're a super dentist. I try to be. I'm just trying to, I told you, I'm trying to get to legend status <laughs> sooner than later. <laughs> so even with regards to those relationships that we build and everything like that within the office, how do you know who to trust when it comes to the business aspects of dentistry? You know, cosmetic dentistry, that's a pretty penny. You know, um, those do not... Uh, those are not um, cheap. Uh, so because of that, you know, when it comes down to finding a financial advisor or just the pieces of business advice that you guys have um, learned along the way, uh, what would you have given to your younger self or even to us as dental students, like as far as the selection process for finding a financial advisor or even when it comes to the beginnings of starting a business? Um, I would say in every aspect of the dentistry of business and the economic or the business of dentistry and the economics of dentistry, um, I always say find the mutually beneficial relationship. Never look for a situation where 
yourself or the other party is is at a higher gain. And when you have that mindset, you quite naturally will get the bigger gain. Um, it's like Mary Kay. When you focus on being the person at the top of the pyramid, you'll never get the pink Cadillac. But when you're understanding, okay, how can I benefit as well as my customers, so on and so forth, as well as the organization? How can we all win and how can we all eat because there's enough of the pot? That's when you'll find yourself at the top of the pyramid. So whether you're dealing with a DSO, whether you're dealing with a financial advisor, whether you're dealing with a loan officer, whether you're dealing with a lab, whether you're dealing with an implant company trying to get you to use their implants, whether you're dealing with a CE course, what's the mutually beneficial relationship where we both can win? Well, we can get a 50-50. And it's in that situation where you'll get a 51-49, but everyone will be happy. Great answer. Um, Gosh, it comes down to referrals. Do you have a gut feeling after speaking with people? Uh, if you, you know, it's kind of like you're dating, you know, if you get that warm, fuzzy feeling, you kind of know, like, I kind of like this person. And then when you can vet them and you now, you know, it's great that you can Google people, you can ask them for successful clients that they've worked with to, can I speak to your clients? You know, what would your clients say about you? If I were to DM one of your clients that you have on your website, um, um, I, I spend a lot of time now because some of these people can really make or break your practice, particularly an accountant. If you get bad accounting advice, like you're paying taxes, you're getting you're getting audited. There's so many things that could go wrong. Um, uh, So really, really vet the person and and and. If you get a bad feeling, it doesn't feel right, then move on. But right now, I usually ask for referrals from my closest friends that are happy with their their services. And like for it doesn't always have to be like for accounting. I was initially told, oh, you need a dental accountant. Well, no, you don't. You don't necessarily need a dental accountant. You need an accountant that can understand the tax codes and, and understand the dental dentistry. Um, so I spent a lot of my earlier years looking for specifics, specific advisors in the dental field, and I worked with who everybody worked with. Um, and not always, not always are those people the greatest. So just do a lot of research. Um, you today in today's world, it's a lot easier now with uh, reviews and uh, uh, Yelp, and there's all kinds of ways that you can find out who's who. Um, so. Uh, that is my answer. Thank you all so much for the great advice. Just curious, do you all have any shadowing opportunities uh, virtually or in person? I Personally, yes. Um, I get this question a lot. Um, I know I would have appreciated it um, as a student myself. So I tell every student, um, you know, I don't make it overcomplicated. My simple answer is I work seven days a week. My doors are open seven days a week. Um, just keep up when you come in the office. Um, so that that's that I, that's it, you know. Pull up, as we say. <laughs> <Pull up. laughs> 
I'm a little bit different. When I had my big office um, and worked three days a week, I had more shadowing opportunities. Now it's kind of like I, I literally make my schedule on a whim. It's, I don't have a regular schedule. Um, but the days that I'm in the office, if you catch me on the right day and you're able to come to my Michigan office or my New York office, I would love to have, you know, I definitely want you guys to learn uh, things that I know if you are willing to learn and really, you know, I've had people come and they, you know, they stand way over there trying to learn how to do veneers. I'm like, you're not going to learn nothing way over there. Get over here and get your, get, get, here. So, you know, I, I try to feel people out and see how hungry they are. And when you come to my office, be ready to work because it is like you can see on a Sunday night at nine o'clock, we're going to, you know, we're going to work. You can't get tired. Uh, so even when I'm working with the temp agencies now, I have to let the temp agency know like we are going to work, you know, sometimes we finish at seven when I say we are and sometimes things is dentistry, things happen, you know, I need somebody that's not going to be looking at their watch um, when it's time, you know, when we're supposed to go home. So if you're shadowing, I just want to know that you're hungry and you really want to learn. And I'm a, I'm an open book. The hardest part with me is just catching me, catch me if you can find whichever city, because I'm pretty much every other weekend, I'm back and forth. So you just have to find, you know, a, a, a day that I'm working and it's no problem. Sounds like we'll all be making a few trips pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, pandemic or not, we there. Yes. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the pandemic, it's still so crazy. We've been a year in the pandemic already. Yeah. So how did COVID-19 impact you, your practice, personally, you know, anything? Um, I was very lucky that I no longer had the big office, you know, uh, that I'm pretty work, much working for myself. So I didn't have staff or any. I only had to worry about myself. So that was a good thing, because if I had my office and God bless Dr. Trev, I can't wait to hear what his answer is. If I had an office with staffing and all of that stuff, I probably would have been super stressed out. Um, so I had been doing uh, virtual consultations probably a year before the pandemic. So um, during the whole pandemic, I was just sit, lining them up. People who wanted to get smile makeovers, doing consultations um, and uh, planning and getting financing all set. So when the doors of the congregation opened back up, like three months later, I was good to go. And I have been on a thousand ever since. Um, it has not, and, and I was worried because I just do these two high-end, you know, ticket, high ticket items. I'm like, who's going to have money? for veneers in a pandemic, but these people, not everybody's broke. So um, that goes to the marketing, finding the target audience. There are people out there that have money or that have been saving. Um, <laughs> I posted uh, a couple days ago, you know, we're about to get another $1,400 with stimulus money. And I posted, you know, what are you doing with your money? And a lot of people's like buying two veneers or buying one veneer. Like I'm going to put that stimulus money towards my, my teeth. So, um, you know, when people have a goal in mind, they're going to get the goal taken care of, whether if it's their smile, they're going to save for their smile. Thank God I actually have my own dental 
products. Um, I have a tooth whitening uh, wholesale company. So I sell teeth whitening machines. I sell teeth whitening gel for our doctors and teeth whitening professionals to do teeth whitening for their businesses. So I was luckily selling, actually teaching online teeth whitening courses to dental students, to dental hygienists, because people needed to pivot. And, you know, that was a great pivot area for people to join the teeth whitening business. And it's not just limited to the dental industry. Now you guys know that non-dentists can do it in a lot of states. So I was teaching courses, selling uh, machines and teeth whitening products um, to consumers and to my students. So that part kept me really busy and going during the pandemic that I had a little side business, multiple streams of income is super important. So um, wrote two books during the pandemic uh, so I was busy. I was in club quarantine, but I was also writing and creating material and courses and products. So um, that kept me going through. And I had a good couple months prior to the pandemic. Um, so I was financially, I didn't have to take a loan or anything. So life was actually pretty good. What she basically just said is get back to that hustle, you know, get back to what got you there. Um so uh, my situation is kind of similar. Um, I had to go back to my foundation. So, you know, that's when during the pandemic, 91% of offices across the country were closed, 33% never reopened. Um, so it actually honestly was an opportunity for me to maximize on my other clinical skills. So if nine out of 10 of the offices around me are closed, well, toothaches don't take a break. So I'm getting everyone's emergencies. I'm getting you know, this, that, so on and so forth. So my local influence greatly increased. Um, and all I say is once somebody's in front of me one time, they're a patient for life, you know, if I treat them right. So my patient pool actually greatly increased. On top of that, um, what I personally saw during the pandemic is all of those patients that you know, couldn't get to me for whatever reason, you know, I have to work so on and so forth. Well, now they got all the time in the world and flights cost $2, you know, so my out-of-state patients actually increase because everyone has the time off to go get their teeth done. And, you know, the whole world is just waiting to pop out and take these masks off. And when these masks come off, you're going to see one or two things. Either somebody's actually been um, taking advantage of wearing the mask or... <laughs> You know, they saw it as an opportunity to get get the get the grill right. Um, so I actually was extremely blessed during the pandemic, as crazy as it sounds. Uh, my business did thrive. Um, and on that same token, what it reminded all of us as dentists, because traditionally we think dentistry is a career that's always going to be there and we're untouchable. But what it re reminded all of us to do is to go back to our basics. And that's just establishing a quality rapport with each and every patient that gets in your chair. Um, anytime I get a new associate that works with me and they always ask how many patients I see a day, I would say, you know, what really made me a true dentist is not doing, not operating my office like a factory. Oh, I got to see 500 patients and do a million fillings on them. No, at the end of the day, I can see 20 patients in a day, which is still a lot, or I can see one patient in a day or two patients in a day, but it can be one patient that truly makes my day. And if I just spend that extra time with that one patient and establish that rapport, you know, I'm good. 
I'm good. Um, and like Dr. Austin um, was mentioning earlier, at this point in our careers, our clinical careers, um, we can see one case and that could technically sustain us, you know, for what some offices produce in a month. Um, you know, and that's the honest blessing of the reality of being an influencer in the dental world. Again, you know, two, that's, that's five to 10% of my patient pool. So I still do rely heavily on my, um, my, for lack of better terms, normal patients. But again, it all just goes back to, are you hustling? You know, are you waiting to be spoon fed? Are you waiting for a patient to fall in your lap? Um, and that all goes back to mindset. All right. What advice would you give to a dental student interested in cosmetic dentistry? Get your own teeth right first. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, again, understand what cosmetic dentistry is. Um, I'm going to pick on, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but Dr. Opp actually said this, so I give credit where credit is due. All dentistry should be cosmetic dentistry in the sense that the ideal of what's cosmetic should be a, and, and I'm paraphrasing off of his comment now, but the ideal of what should be cosmetic is the greatest stride to replicate nature. You know, even if you're doing a simple filling, you know, that's cosmetic dentistry. If you're doing everything in your power to have the correct, you know, surface anatomy, developmental grooves, so on and so forth. Um, you can be doing a number three crown and ain't nobody going to see it, but yesterday's lunch. Um, but again, cosmetic dentistry means treating that crown like it's like you're trying to match a single central incisor on a patient with white spots who had their braces on for 10 years and ate hot Cheetos, you know? And, and, and so, so any student or any dentist interested in cosmetic dentistry, I, I say, equate cosmetic dentistry with restorative dentistry equate cosmetic dentist with a true stride to balance function and aesthetics no matter what part of the mouth or what aspect of the mouth you're involving yourself in and also at the end of the day understand that the mouth is just one organ or one part of the face one part of the body on the grand scheme so step back and look at the big picture and don't just focus on the mouth or the tooth or the hole. You know, look at the big picture and understand that each situation is unique. Wow. Yeah, and I go back to what we discussed earlier, just become a student because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that cosmetic dentistry is not a specialty in dentistry. Uh, the patients don't understand that. So any dentist that does teeth whitening uh, is, uh, can, is calling themselves a cosmetic dentist. So you have to let your potential pet patients and your future patients and your patients understand that uh, you are getting advanced training. That is not a specialty, but you are taking the efforts by learning uh, and taking clinical CE courses, uh, you, you watch lots of videos, you shadow some of the top dentists, uh, cosmetic dentists in the business uh, that you have made, you're making an effort because it's not a specialty. You're doing the extra work to really hone your skills 
Um, and and I'll be yeah, in the, my earlier years, I did a lot of bartering. I did uh, I did a lot of practicing. You know, if you're learning something, I feel like you should you shouldn't charge full price if you're learning uh, if you're learning a craft. Um, so it's okay to barter and practice on people um, to hone your skills. You got to get your start somewhere. And if you're not getting it in dental school, when you get out in that real world, then you have to you have to get your feet wet and and take the first. You take a class and then you just go you go for it. And the more you do, the better you're gonna get. Um, so that would be my advice. Just immerse yourself, read those journals, YouTube University, CE courses. And that's what I love um, that I get a chance to at least start people off with teeth whitening, the very bare minimum, so that you get your feet wet and dental students are taking the class and making a little money and starting to get comfortable dealing with patients in a cosmetic sense. Um, so when they graduate, then they can learn, you know, a little bit more in the cosmetics, but you have some experience already. It's a great introduction to cosmetic dentistry. Um, so that is my advice. And I, we, we need good cosmetic dentists. I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting old and tired, so I'm, I'm looking for y'all to come over and take, take over. Well, Dr. Austin and Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show. Let's go ahead and give it up for them. Thank y'all. Thank you. Oh, this was great. I hope you guys learned something and had some takeaways and found value in what Dr. Trev and I shared. And all of you guys out there that's listening, I hope you learned something. And uh, we want to see you guys come out and be the best. We want to see some young blood coming out, making that money and, and enjoying dentistry because it is a rewarding field if you do what you love and you you can really have fun with it and change lives absolutely and and always remember um use us as a resource Uh, dr austin and i are you know always available to help you guys throughout your career because at the end of the day it's our responsibility to ensure that you know we reach back and you know bring forward and uplift those who are coming behind us especially those that come from similar background as us so it's our obligation, and we also hold you guys to the same charge. So we're here for you 1,000%. Um, challenge us on that promise and that commitment. And, you know, make sure that, again, uh, we do our part, and we challenge you guys to do your part, you know, one year, two year, five year, 10 years from now. Um, again, it's truly a blessing to even just just be here and to be considered to speak with you guys. It truly is a blessing, especially when uh, some of y'all are probably the same age as me. Um, you know, so I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, again, it's a blessing to be sitting with a legend at the table and I appreciate Aww. it. I, I learned from you too, Doc. And, um, uh, for you guys out there, when you have opportunities for us to speak, I just spoke at the, um, AAWD for Meharry, uh, for Women's History Month. So when you have opportunities to bring us to speak to your organizations, please do, because we are, we want to be, we want to speak to your organizations and your class, your classes. So definitely keep us in mind so that we can spread our message. When, 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 whenever we can. We just want to show you it's possible for us to get the pink Cadillacs too. That's all. <laughs> so, what's the best way that people can reach out to you guys? Is it through just through social media or through emailing? What do you guys prefer? 
Well, I can tell you, I spend a lot of time on social media. I'm going to check my DMs pretty, pretty, like Dr. Trev, I'm on my DMs on a regular basis. So you can DM me at Dr. Catrice Austin uh, on all social media platforms. I am Dr. Catrice Austin, or you can email me if it's easier. You can go to VIPSmiles.com and there's a contact form. So you can email me there or my email is Dr. Austin at VIPSmiles.com totally accessible. I pretty much uh, check my DMs and emails, more so my DMs almost 24 hours a day. So um, if you DM me, I'm going to get back to you at some point for sure. Uh, same thing here. Uh, social media is the easiest way to reach me. Um, IG.Dr.TravThomas, DR.TravThomas. Uh, my email is Trevor.Thomas.DVS at gmail.com. Um, but quite frankly, the quickest way to reach me um, look up my office's address. If you take a Visa gift card and uh, just put it in an envelope and write my name on it, I, I promise you I'll reply to you same day that I receive that envelope. <laughs> you can even email me that gift card. Even better if it's a gas card. You know, I take premium gas and it's like $80 to fill it up. So send me a gas card or a Visa gift card and I'll reply right away. Um, if you got a friend who has buddy passes, send those over. Listen, that'll get, if you really want to get our attention, that part, okay? No buddy pass. <laughs> uh, but no, for a uh, uh, DM me, that's the easiest way to get to me. Um, I'm literally on there all day and all night. I have ADHD and anxiety when I see my DM numbers go up, so I try to keep it down. Um... I would like to close by saying, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. And if you don't step forward, you're, you'll always be in the same place. And I would like to thank y'all again, because I'm very interested in cosmetic dentistry. And y'all answered a lot of my questions. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And we uh, look forward to coming back again one day soon. Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, let's go ahead and wrap things up and transition into Taylor's takeaways. And today I wanted to discuss how to tweak our to-do list for our mental health. So there's a belief that to-do lists can reduce procrastination and help get things done. Um, there's something known as the Zygarnik effect which is basically our brain's obsession with outstanding tasks until they're completed. So what should we do when our to-do list is so long that it becomes the source of our anxiety? Well, occupational therapists have historically categorized occupations into three main categories, self-care, productivity, and leisure. So self-care doesn't just refer to face masks, mani-pedis, massages, it also includes things like taking care of yourself, like cleaning your house, bathing, feeding yourself, because sometimes people are only eating one meal a day, um, you know, and getting around to the community and handling our finances. Um, the second one, productivity, uh, typically refers to your job or work-related tasks like school, personal development, or even parenting. And lastly, leisure. That can include hobbies like gardening, hiking, reading a book, and just so many other different things that you may enjoy. So the goal is to recreate occupational balance within these categories to prevent 
stress. So instead of putting everything all on one list and getting overwhelmed by all those empty checkboxes, come up with three to four categories for the type of meaningful things that you do each week. Make each category have an equal number of tasks. So remember, nothing can stress you out except stress out thinking. That was awesome, Taylor. That's, you know, I'm a to-do list person myself and I have sticky notes on my computer. And if I don't scratch it off, well, it is satisfying to scratch something off the to-do list, but there's just so much on the to-do list. So that was great. Thank you for that, Taylor. And I just wanted to end with, so I was happy to hear that the CDC has released new guidance as to what you can do if you're fully vaccinated. Yes, we most, I think uh, most people in our class are fully vaccinated. Um, so it's been reported that you can be around people who have been also been fully vaccinated without a mask indoors and be around someone who has not been vaccinated without a mask if they are low risk. So this is exciting for me because I've not been able to hug my parents or my brother without a mask. So this feels awesome. And remember, y'all, to stay flossing and keep flossing. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod for more updates on the show. And be sure to give us a shout out. Want to ask us questions or give suggestions on topics that you'd like to hear? Then email us at the table podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear feedback from our listeners, so don't forget to leave a thumbs up, five stars, and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Well, that's all we have for today. So until next time, this is The, the Occlusal Table. table.